You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 431. In this episode, I talk to Ellen Yin about minimalist marketing. Today, I speak with Ellen Yin. She is the founder of Cubicle to CEO, an online membership that teaches solopreneurs how to make their first 10K month without having a large audience or posting every day. Ellen has worked with multi-million dollar brands, Fortune 500 executives, and best-selling authors, scaling her business to seven figures. In this episode, we talk about minimalist marketing. Before we dive in though, you can now sign up for the VIP notification list for Samba Kickstart. We kick it off this summer. It's gonna be amazing this year with hundreds of people creating their first or next online course. You can join us by hopping over to the show notes at sigma.com forward slash 431 and getting on the VIP notification list. Then you will be the first to know when we open up the doors and you'll benefit from some amazing bonuses. In the show notes, you'll also find all the links to Ellen Yin and her message of minimalist marketing. I'm so excited to be here with Ellen Yin and talk about minimalist marketing and how to go from cubicle to CEO. Thank you for coming on the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be here, Sigrun. So Ali Burke, who was on the show last year, recommended I talk to you. So I checked you out and I thought, yes, this is the perfect topic for my listeners to talk about how to go from cubicle to CEO, but also what spiked my interest even more was minimalist marketing. And we're going to make that the topic of this episode. Before we go into that, though, I always like to hear the journey of my guests. Like, how come you're doing what you're doing today? What were you doing before? When did you start an online business and all that? Yeah, basically your story. Sure. Well, so my online entrepreneurship journey started in early 2018. And it really started by accident. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that journey where perhaps you've never thought of yourself as, you know, becoming a business owner, but really what, what, uh, happened was that at the end of 2017, I had made this decision to quit my corporate job to leave corporate America. And I didn't realize at the time, uh, what my next step was going to be, or didn't know. And when I quit my job, my idea that I had was to move to a bigger city to apply for new marketing jobs there. I knew I just wanted to work for like a smaller business, a place where I had more creative freedom. Um, and, and that, that was really my line of thinking, but what ended up happening was after I left, about a month into my job search, I actually reconnected with an old coworker who, you know, worked at the company that I had left and he owned a family business and had heard that I knew a thing or two about Instagram marketing. And so he was like, Hey, I, I would love your help in getting our Instagram channel off the ground to help market our, our coffee stands. And it was a $300 project, you know, nothing life-changing, but I, I thought, of course, like I would love to help while I'm, you know, stay busy while I'm searching for another job. And I enjoyed that experience so much. And I think it opened my eyes to this whole new world that, oh, wow. Like if I can help someone with their marketing and actually get paid 
individually outside of a job, I could probably do this again. I could probably go find another client, a bigger client, a bigger account. And that's exactly what I did. And so from there, it grew quite quickly. Um, we scaled to six figures on the agency side, I think within the first calendar year that I was in business. And, uh, we worked, we, you know, we've worked with dozens of clients over the years, um, everyone from startups, local startups to fortune 500 brands. And eventually in 2020, or it was late 2019 entering into 2020, we made a big pivot into, uh, digital courses and programs. And that's actually around the time that I met Ali who referred me to this podcast. So thank you so much, Ali. And that's been such an interesting journey over the last year and a half. Um, basically we, we let go of all, but one of one or two of our clients. And then we just really went all in on our online membership and our courses. And, um, early 2021 was when we hit the $1 million, um, lifetime revenue in our business, which was a cool milestone. And this year we're on track to actually do 1 million annually. So it's, it's all been a whirlwind. Um, but I, I've loved every step of this journey. And like you said, at the beginning, my journey from cubicle to CEO, that's what inspired my brand cubicle to CEO. And it's the name of my podcast as well. So I'm just really happy to be able to be here and share my story. Yeah. What was the reason for closing down the agency and rather focus on courses and memberships? So I really enjoyed client work. Uh, I think at the beginning of my business journey, because of the relationships and the direct interaction that I got to have with my clients. But I feel like as we grew I realized if I ever really wanted to scale this business, I would, I was going to need a very big team to service the clients at the level that we wanted to. And I felt like the relationship and community aspect is actually what I love the most about business. And so I didn't feel like one-on-one -on -one services was the right vehicle for me to be able to, to really elevate the community aspect. And so I, I had started in early 2019, the very first iteration of my membership. It was very, very small at the time. Like, don't get me wrong. I was like 12 people, but I loved that community so much, even though it made me like no money. Um, but I, I felt, felt like if I put all of my attention toward scaling this, it, I could really give it a chance to grow. And I I'm kind of a little bit extreme in that way. You probably have kind of caught up based on what I just said, like I'm kind of an all or nothing person. So I quit my job so I could do my business. I let go of my clients so I could focus on courses. It's, it's always a very big pivot whenever I make a decision like that. Well, some people would then say, isn't that scary? It is scary. Um, I think for me, it's just, I have to know, did I give it my all when I'm trying something new? I don't want to kind of, I don't know, you know, do it halfway and then be like, oh, well, maybe it worked. Maybe it didn't. For me, it's like, I want to give myself, I want to bet on myself and give the full opportunity uh, to, to experience something before I can make a decision about whether or not I want to continue in it. So it is scary. Don't get me wrong. Not superhuman in that way, but sometimes you just have to face the fear and do it anyway. Well, I love that you say that you'll give it a chance because the worst thing is regret. 
So if you look back and say, well, did I really try this? Did I really do my best? And if you're doing everything half, I don't want to say the word. <laughs> I was trying to avoid it. I wasn't sure what kind of podcast <laughs> rules we had around yeah. here. <laughs> I think you get the gist. The listeners will understand what we mean. So basically, if you do everything half, uh, uh, then you don't know. You don't know if you did your best. You don't know if it would have worked out if you did your best. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like sometimes we place a lot of pressure on ourselves um, when we make a pivot in our path, because we believe that all of our decisions are permanent. Um, but I think if you give yourself the flexibility and the grace to say, you know, like, for example, if I, if I had let go of all my clients, when I was going into my programs and then my that didn't work out for me. You know, it's not like all of the clients disappear off the face of the earth. Like you can always return back to what you're good at, what you do well and go seek out new clients. So it's not like you're leaving that world behind forever. You're just walking a little farther down the path and you can always turn around and, and come back if you need to. So you had done this client work for two years when you made your pivot. So you knew exactly what they wanted when you created your membership and courses. You didn't have to basically start really from scratch? I think the, what is it? The, the clientele that I serve in my membership is different than the client that I would serve from the agency side. Um, for example, on the agency side, most commonly we actually worked with e-commerce shops and stores, um, brands, you know, and on in our membership, it's specifically geared toward coaches, service providers, and consultants who have a one-on-one -on -one service and are at the beginning or middle stages of their business wanting to reach that first 10K month. That's the big transformation in our membership. So they're different, but I will say it was it was so valuable to have those two years of experience working with clients because I think client work is A, one of the easiest and best ways to bootstrap and uh, sustain a business with quick cash flow, and I also think it's one of the best learning experiences. To I think of it as kind of like a little like a laboratory. Like it's your opportunity to get to test new strategies, see what works, see what doesn't, um, really understand your pain points of the market that you're serving, so that you can bring that knowledge and that experience and that framework into building a successful course or membership. Because I think when you start right off the ground with a course or membership. And if, if you have no experience actually applying what you're teaching, it can be a lot more difficult to um, get the best results for your students. Not saying it's impossible, just that it's more difficult. Yeah. No, I love that. I also started one-on-one -on -one and there are a lot of people that are not willing to do it. They want to go straight to membership and courses. And I'm like, you're making it extra difficult for yourself. Even if you just do a little bit of one work in the beginning, it's the best way to learn and Get to know your ideal client. Yeah, I'm glad you did that too. <laughs> so you talk about marketing minimalism. Like you talk about like, you know, you can actually market yourself without going all crazy about marketing. So now we're curious. What what is it that you recommend that people do? Like how can they market without, you know, posting every day or multiple times a day and still seeing some results? So I love this idea of marketing minimalism and it was inspired this, you know, this whole theme or concept was actually inspired by 
um, Marie Kondo. I'm sure most of you are familiar with her, right? Her Netflix show, her book, and this idea of being very intentional with what you choose to do in, in, in your business from a marketing standpoint. And so I think we've been told over and over again, especially in the online business world, uh, consistency is key. Creating consistent content is the only way that you're going to get out there and be successful, be profitable. And I think that consistency is key. I just think that it's applied to the wrong, um, like to the wrong area, depending on what your business model is. That's, that's where I'll start. Number one is I think a lot of times people try to adopt strategies from podcasts and blogs and different courses that they take without stopping to think, does the strategy actually apply to the business model that I am scaling? And has this person scaled it in the way that I want to grow my business? So for example, a lot of strategies out there, like if I'm teaching a strategy about growing your course, that would not be a good strategy to apply to your one-on-one service business. And so I'm always very clear that you you should double check, like, is this meant for a high volume type of business or is it meant for a low volume business, like one-on-one clients, especially if you're a solopreneur where you really can only work with a handful of quality clients. And so being intentional with that and understanding that is number one. Um, number two is that for me, I think um, where people sometimes go wrong is if you have a small audience and you're posting, posting, posting every day just to check a box off your list, right? I, I love analogies, so I'll use an analogy here. Um, it's like to me, it's like if your Instagram account was a, a road, maybe a deserted road. Let's call it a deserted road because maybe you have a small audience. And think about your followers who see your posts like cars that are driving past. So I think of it like if every time you post, you're putting up a billboard on the side of the road, just because you put up a thousand billboards, if three cars drive by every day, it doesn't matter if you had a thousand billboards or five billboards, the effect and the impact is pretty much the same. And so I think where people get caught up as they are on this content hamster wheel, trying to churn out as much content as possible, but they forget that creating content is just the first step. You actually have to drive the right traffic to the content. That is the missing piece. For example, if you only posted two quality posts um, on Instagram, or you wrote two really quality blog posts or whatever it is, but you focused a majority of your efforts on driving your ideal clients and your ideal customers, the right eyeballs, new eyeballs, to your content each day. If you if you try to get a thousand cars to drive past that road each day, but you only had two billboards, that is going to have way more impact on the momentum of your business than just quantity for the sake of quantity. And so that's kind of uh, the way that I look at marketing minimalism. So if someone has, let's say a thousand followers, they shouldn't necessarily be posting every day should be enough to post, I don't know, three times a week and spending more time creating content that people actually want to read or potentially share. Yeah. Focus your attention on creating strategic evergreen content, content that is designed to uh, pre-sell your potential clients or customers to educate them, to crush their object objections, um, proactively. And I would say, I mean, I, I don't even put a number to it, honestly. Um, 
when I was a one-on-one service provider and just working by myself, I had no team. I had some of my highest income months when I posted like one time or like two times a month, like very, very irregular because I focused my time on, uh, attraction and, um, generating traffic, connecting consistent connection. That's what I say. Consistent connection is more important than consistent content. That's where you should apply your consistency because those people, those new contacts that I was, you know, connecting with daily, they were seeing this, they were coming over to my profile, seeing quality evergreen content. And that is what was prompting them to move on to that next step of becoming a lead, booking a discovery call, and then eventually me closing that sale. It wasn't me posting 500 times, you know, a day. (laughs) Yeah. But I like what you said, evergreen content. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I created, uh, like a secondary podcast. Oh, cool. Uh, where it's 90 seconds, uh, you know, every day. Uh, I did this when Amazon Alexa came out and, you know, I wanted to kind of be on that. And when I had created that content, it's evergreen content, obviously. Uh, when I had created that content, I scripted every episode because, you know, if you want to do 90 seconds, you know, how am I going to know it's going to be 90 seconds unless I script it? So I scripted everything. And then I realized afterwards, this is fantastic content for Instagram because it's like a mini blog post. Um, and then we started to use it. And what you said, evergreen, like we can use it again and again. And since I created, I don't know, 100, 200 content pieces, we can rotate it. Now, I next time I do anything like this, like creating it with Instagram in mind, you know, because first I just created it as a podcast, but then I decided, hey, I can use it for Instagram. But yeah, so that is evergreen content. And you just look what worked best and then you post it again, right? So what what would be your strategy to create an evergreen content, because that's, of course, a part of minimalist marketing is to kind of like, okay, can I create 100 posts and rotate them so that there is constantly something like fresh, but I am not actually doing so much work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Some of the things I think about when I'm creating evergreen content are uh, the, the customer journey from being a stranger to you to actually being a red hot lead ready to buy or you know an already a paying client and the purpose of my content whenever i think about my content is how is my content moving someone from uh moving someone through sorry the stages of awareness so unaware problem aware solution aware that's kind of how i think about it so someone who's unaware is someone who doesn't even is not consciously aware of the problem that your service or your product solves for them. They're not necessarily looking to get resources for help. Um, and they're definitely not solution aware because they don't even have the problem in the first place. So that's a person who is least likely to buy from you. Right. Um, and then problem where obviously is someone who does have the problem that, uh, you are able to help with, and they're actively seeking a solution for it, but they don't believe that you are the right solution yet, or they don't even know that you have the solution yet. And then of course, someone who is both problem and solution aware is someone who is best positioned to actually buy from you because they have the problem and are aware of exactly what they need. They know the solution they're looking for, and they know that your solution is the right fit for them. So when people talk about like cold leads, 
warm leads, hot leads, and all of that, oftentimes they base it on how long has someone known me? Like, oh, if you're a cold lead, that means you haven't, you've never heard of me. So therefore it's going to take, you know, 60 days for me to warm you up. And then, you know, then you can buy from me. But I actually think about that completely differently. I think that someone can know you for one day, but if you can move them from, you know, unaware to problem and solution aware, they're ready to go that day. And I've seen that happen again and again. And so I think that, um, when you're creating content, always be thinking about what, which of these stages is this content addressing? How can I actively move someone to that next stage? And also thinking about what are the three big beliefs or mistakes that my ideal client or ideal customer probably thinks right now it's top of mind for them. And how can I address it head on and show them a better way and show them, Hey, that's actually not true. So for example, in my world, right? People, one of the big mistakes or big beliefs that they have is you have to have a large following in order to, um, in order to have a profitable business. And so that's a really big belief shift that has to happen in order for them to see my membership as the right fit for them. Because if they, if they keep believing that my membership would never be the right solution for them because we don't focus on follower growth. And so that's just one example of how I have to utilize content in order to educate and shift someone away from that belief. I love that. This was, uh, this was brilliant. So basically you have to understand, uh, what is holding your client also back from potentially buying from you. So what are the typical objections you're getting when you're selling something? Well, obviously beyond time and money, because time and money, everybody has that. But is there something, if there, is there something deeper than that? You know, we were, uh, for instance, uh, we sell a course on creating courses. And uh, we've been doing this for a while. And uh, in our last launch, there were suddenly a lot more people that said, I don't know what my course should be about. And I'm like, ooh, now I have a new objection to work on. Actually, I was like, yeah, this is great. Because possibly this was an objection for a while, but we didn't hear it so clearly. Sometimes you need to hear more people saying it or more loudly so that you finally get it. So I think people need to just know like what's holding them back to actually taking the next step. And sometimes it's such an easy thing to solve. We just added a masterclass, like create your course in 60 minutes. That's so awesome. See, that's exactly, um, I think the right way to go about it because you are constantly listening and doing market research with your audience. And that is key. I think that's the piece that most people miss is, you know, in, in business, we're taught build your client avatar, right? Or your cus- ideal customer avatar. And a lot of people, they sit down with themselves and a pen and paper, maybe a Google doc, and they start writing all these things that they believe about their ideal client or customer. And it's often more surface level, like demographics, psychographics, you know, oh, they're a woman in their forties who has two kids and, and enjoys, you know, watching X show. And while all of those might be true, they don't really get to the root of what are the, I always say like, what are the thoughts that are renting space in their head that they, they cannot not think about like every day they're thinking through these things. And the only way you're going to know is to actually get out there and ask them, like have real conversations over the phone or over DMS or voice text or whatever it is, and actually hear how they say it in their own words. Because exactly like you just said, like if someone hadn't verbalized, I don't know 
what to create my course on, you might a never have thought that was an issue in their head, but B maybe you would have thought that was an issue, but you may not have, um, communicated it in the exact same verbiage that they would use. And I think that's where the disconnect happens too, is often as experts, people, they think about problems and solutions differently than their customers and clients do because they already had the experience. So your perspective is different. So you and your client could literally be talking about the exact same problem, but the way you word it is so different that to the client, they don't feel understood or seen by you at all. And so I think it's so, so important to get inside those people's heads, really talk to them and hear how they personally describe their problems and solutions that they're looking for in their own words, and then to plug that back into your marketing. Absolutely. And in our case, they figure out their course inside our course, but it was still holding them back. So we might think we have the solution already, but from their perspective, they're like, I do not trust that I will figure it out. Even if you teach me this inside the course, you know what I mean? That was their logic. And then we are like, we have to meet our clients where they're at and create that content for them. Yep. No, that's, that is spot on. I, and I love that you use that as a way to give them confidence in, in not only the offer, like what you are offering, but actually in themselves, right? Because so many times what holds people back from buying is not that they don't believe in you or your, your solution, your offer, your service, whatever it is, it's actually that they don't have the belief in themselves. And so I think that's a really great way to instill that in someone. Yeah. So minimalist marketing, how do people find out more about you and your service? What's the best way? Is that your podcast, your website? I think if you want to learn more just content, definitely my podcast. So if you search Cubicle to CEO podcast, wherever you listen to this one, um, you'll be able to find it. And as far as like, if you want to have a direct conversation with me, I'm most active on Instagram. So if you search at Miss Ellen Yin, I would love to connect with you there. Fabulous. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ellen. It was fantastic to get to know you and minimalist marketing. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Go to the show notes at sigma.com forward slash 431 to find out how you can sign up for the VIP notification list for Samba Kickstart and, of course, all the information about Ellen Yin and minimalist marketing. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? Well, I would love for you to give me a review. That's how other people like yourself find this podcast. I'll see you in the next episode.